Welcome to Minter Dialogue number 61. This interview is with Giles Corbett, a fellow INSEAD alumnus who runs Libon as part of the Orange Group. Libon is an OTT service that provides a radically different experience to voicemail. Personally, I'm a fan, so I wanted to get to know more about Libon, the business, and how it works within the Orange context. I do hope you'll enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. Today, uh, I'm at St. Pancras, the wonderful uh, Eurostar station, so we might have some background announcements to have fun with. Uh, but I, I'm in front of me, I have uh, someone who has pretty much as Franco-English-ness as I have. So, Giles, tell us who you are and what you're up to. Minter, hi, thank you very much. So, yes, my name is Giles, and yes, strong Franco-British background. Uh, but here we are in London, where I currently live. Um, I'm running a team of people in Paris and London uh, on a project for Orange called Libon. And Libon is all about disrupting communications. Brilliant. So exactly what, what does Libon do? Well, Libon started off as something that enabled you to go and talk to people the way you do in the real life. So, for instance, when my wife calls me and I can't answer, I don't expect her to be greeted in the same way as my boss. Um, why should she hear? Yes, you've reached Charles Corbett, blah, blah, blah. She knows who she's just reached. I'm her husband. So now when she calls me, she can hear something about, darling, I am so sorry. I love you. I wish I could go and take a call, etc. Whereas when my boss calls me, he gets quite a different message. So it was all about bringing real interactions back into the communications. And from there, the service grew and grew. Um, it moved on from just being able to take messages to be able to go and ping people back, maybe via text. And then more recently, we introduced a whole new layer of services around calls. So voice over IP calls uh, that enable me to call any other Libon user anywhere in the world completely free. But then also calls uh, using what in our jargon we call VoIP out uh, technology to be able to go and call landlines and mobile numbers that have nothing to do with Libon at incredibly attractive rates. Right, so when, when did Libon start? Libon started, um, our first release uh, was one and a half years ago with Libon Voice Feed. And we released that at Demo in the U.S. And for Orange, that wasn't actually a coincidence. It was that what we wanted to show was that we were able to go and take something that operators believed was deeply embedded into their network. And we could actually make this work in our jargon over the top, i.e. on top of any other telco network anywhere in the world. And we chose the U.S. as our starting ground. Brilliant. So uh, with Libon, how m- you've been around for a year and a half. How many users do you have? We haven't communicated on the number of users. Um, I think that uh, somebody told you one of the numbers about number of downloads, and if you go on the Android store, you can go and see certain numbers. So there have been a significant number of downloads. That's really all I can say at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did read a number of a million somewhere, but I wanted to know what the update was. Um, so on, uh, when, when you talk about the uh, people who are subscribed, where's your user base? Can you talk about that? Yeah, our user base is um, in the four countries predominantly where we first started the service. So when we started a year and a half ago, it was focused on the US. We then opened France, UK, and a bit later, Spain. 
Um, since November the 21st of last year, we've been open in over 100 countries. So we went from something that was starting off in some targeted areas to much wider. Clearly, our largest base is in those initial countries. Now, you always go and talk about local affinity. And for some reason, what is absolutely striking is how true that is in our case. Our biggest base is in France where a lot of the team is based, probably because, you know, we're all pestering our friends and family to go and get part of it. But that is where probably 40% of our users are today. Yeah, it it speaks to the effect of word of mouth and and also probably the notion of concentration of word of mouth. Whereas the States is such a large market, you would have thought, you know, well, just one size fits all, but actually you develop maybe more pocket of Boston or another pocket in Louisiana. It has nothing to do with it just because of some conference. Yeah, um, I was talking to one of our developers the other day and he said Giles you guys are being too clever it's all about boiling a pot of water and it's much easier to go and boil a small pot than a big pot but at the end of the day unless you can get the water to boil you're not getting anywhere so indeed that's exactly what we're finding boiling small pots of water much easier I'm going to take oh, sorry about that I'm going to take that as a, an idea that was my handle just falling off so um you launched on iPhone, or iOS, uh, and recently launched on Android. Tell us about the decision to go to Android. Well, um, three and a bit years ago, I put out a prediction that in four years' time, 70% of all devices sold would be Android. I didn't talk about 70% of smartphones. I just said 70% of all devices sold. So maybe um, I was anticipating things would go slightly faster than they are, but we're definitely on that track. Android is dominating uh, the mobile ecosystem. So the question is, why didn't we start with Android? Well, actually, we did. We started doing a lot of our early trialing on Android. We used it as a great platform for testing stuff out. But it was a lot of testing. And it was on iOS that we came out with the first polished commercial product. And that was with VoiceFeed. Right, so you launched Android, um, what it was, just really a few, a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, tell us about the startup. How's it, how's it t- taking off? Um, well, much faster even than it did on, on iOS, which isn't surprising given that the Android base is now uh, significantly larger. And are you seeing any differences in the way Android users are using it as opposed to iPhone, iOS? We are, uh, simply because of what an iOS user can do or can't do compared to what an Android user can do. So, for instance, in the Android version of uh, Libon, we're actually able to integrate all of the user's communications, all of his SMSs and all of his Libon messages. So it becomes the basic interface for all messaging, all calling. Mm-hmm. When you look at um, a competitive uh, scope, do you consider Viber, WhatsApp, and Google Voice as competitive? What, what, how, what's your competitive set? So to this question, the answer is always we don't compete with, but it's complete rubbish. Of course we are. Um, Viber is what we were looking at as a reference point in terms of usability and quality for uh, voice over IP calls. And when we launched in November, we did it on the basis that we believed that what we had was better than Viber on voice. And we said that we were bringing in messaging, a messaging part, and we said that we felt that our messaging part was sort of bare minimum 
uh, and at the moment was incapable of competing with the last year's reference, which was WhatsApp, and currently this year's reference, which I now believe to be Line. And what we said is that we had an incredibly aggressive plan to go and increase and improve all of the messaging part. And we released the first part of that uh, two weeks ago on iOS. And it's an absolutely brilliant experience uh, for, of course, uh, photo sharing, etc. But more importantly, for audio chat, where I think we just nailed it. Beautiful. One of the things I like, about, or I really love about LiveOn, because I've been a user since the beginning, is the ability to customize your messages. So, the first question is, what sort of, what kind of uh, numbers can you give us on how many people actually do take advantage of the customization? So, on the uh, on the people who go and take it up for their GSM calls, because LiveOn you can use to go and manage your voicemail for all of your LiveOn, i.e., the VoIP calls coming in. You can use it for any GSM call, and for the people who choose to go and do that, uh, the customization level is close to a hundred percent. Nearly everybody at some point creates some special message. In fact, what happens is that most users uh, will create three to four customized messages in the first few days. And then uh, what we'll see is a number of customized greetings going up uh, sort of week after week. I see. One of the things that you were telling me before we started recording is that it, the LiveOn can actually recognize the provenance of the call and, and will provide a uh, a, a, a language message adapted to the number that's calling in. Is that something? Can you tell us about how that works? Yeah, so clearly, I think Libon is the most sophisticated, rich uh, voicemail service around, and it does a whole bunch of crazy things, some of them that are probably relevant to only a very, very small number of users. One of these is the fact that as long as you're sticking with uh, the default greeting, and the default greeting, Libon, to be clear, is a greeting that if you were to call me would say, Hi, Minter. You've reached Giles Corbett's voicemail. He's really sorry he can't take your call. So, I mean, as the default greeting goes, it's not bad. It's personalized. It's pretty personalized. And that will... And it picks up your name via your phone book. And so it'll identify my number coming in, look up phone book, see the name in the first name, and it says Minter, and then in a computerized voice picks that up. That's correct? Absolutely. You've just described it brilliantly. Um, But the next thing it will do is it'll look at the language or the, the, the country from which you're calling. And if Libon has that language in its, in its system somewhere, then that greeting will automatically switch into that language. So if you were calling me with your French number, you'd hear, Bonjour Minter, vous avez uh, rejoint le uh, répondeur de Charles Corbett, etc. And how many languages does it have? It only has four languages today, uh, because those were the four that we were uh, operating in, and that is set to extend rather rapidly. All right, so... You, you you operate in a in a very special space because you are in the Orange Valley, the sort of innovation core, or a an innovation center within Orange. Tell us uh, how it is to operate uh, within a separate entity, and what are the advantages and maybe some of the challenges of being in as uh, as you are in a, in Orange Valley. So Orange Valley was set up to focus on uh, disruptive innovation, i.e. the innovation that would undermine uh, or could undermine the business models of the existing uh, entities. So the kind of innovation that is normally very, very difficult for an organization to deal with because, it's, it, because of the, the conflicts that it faces. 
to avoid those conflicts, the easiest, and in my mind probably the only way of doing it, is to do it in an entity that's separate, which means it's either a completely outside entity that you then acquire, or it's an entity that you go and give a lot of independence to. A kind of skunk works. That is the approach that Orange chose with the creation of Orange Valley. And uh, what, what is the economic model? How, does it, how do you justify that when you're creating something? Because you're OTT, you're not necessarily linked in with the business. How, how, do, you, uh, how do you stand as a standalone? Well, uh, we had to, first of all, prove our ability to stand as a standalone. So uh, while the security announcement goes on, I can carry on talking. Yes, or do I wait? Okay, I carry on then. So uh, we had to come prove our ability to stand alone. And to do that, we came out with the first product, the one that you were describing, Libon Voice Feed, a year and a half ago. And as that evolved, it got rave reviews. And therefore, what we were able to go and say to the Orange countries is not here, we've come up with some idea, um, take it. It was... This is something that users in countries over which we have no control absolutely rave about and love. We can now go and propose this to Orange customers and tell them they're getting the best service in the world. And so what we've done is we've actually moved from a situation where we're pure OTT, providing services uh, that we go and bill uh, for ourselves to other countries, to an environment where what we're doing is we're providing it to Orange operator countries where they can go and use it for a number of things some of them are using it as a customer acquisition tool basically they any any orange com, uh, company that is using libon is providing the best visual voicemail in the market in the world to its users so that is clearly a thing for gaining customers but some more innovative still, such as Sosh, the digital brand in France, are looking at it as a means to expand uh, ARPU, revenue in, in operator terms, uh, by uh, selling on new services via Libon. Now, this all becomes a bit complicated, uh, but I will try and make it straightforward. Libon is, becomes a product. It's something that is single, it's unique, it rolls out to all countries at any time uh, overnight. Mm -hmm. But then the operators can choose to take that and customize offerings to various segments. Yeah, so it's a, a value-add service that you can then parse according to the different customers that you have? Absolutely. And this is what Sosh has done brilliantly. They've taken it and they've identified groups of people that they think should probably be calling a lot more internationally on mobiles or roaming a lot more mm -hmm. than they currently see them doing. And they've offered them uh, unlimited international calling or calling home when they're abroad for free, all that via Libon. So it's a Libon product, but as soon as you use it, Libon identifies your Sosh, asks you whether you want to upgrade to the Sosh international option. And if you do, uh, then all of the calls will be presented to you as being free thanks to Sosh. Giles, how much of your time is spent uh, working on selling internally as opposed to selling externally? By the side? <laughs> a lot internally. <laughs> too much. Right. Uh, too much. We went through a year, a period of uh, a bit over a year where we were completely under the radar and given uh, as much freedom, really, as required. It's true that over the last six months, a lot of my effort has been put into working with the group and with the operator countries in terms of getting them to understand 
why this initiative is good for them mm-hmm. rather than uh, simply a threat. Do you feel like you have to be a, a little bit of an evangelist? Yes, but I mean, that's also part of my entrepreneurial background. Mm-hmm. I spend my time preaching for what I believe in. All right, well, you're in, a, you're in an interesting space um, because, I mean, the telcos are the, the central nervous system of the digital transformation. What do you see as some of the, the biggest areas of opportunities for companies dealing with digital uh, as they go forward? I mean, I'm going to guess it's more of a, a blue sky kind of a question. Where do you see, whether it's for Orange or for other country, companies, where do you see the biggest opportunities in, in the world of digital uh, impacting them? Well, I mean, everybody's been talking about the Internet of Things forever. Uh, But bit by bit, as I go and see my wife walk around with her Fitbit or whatever, I mean, you know, we are actually, without even having Google Glasses, getting used to wearable computing on us. Uh, But everything around us uh, equally connected. And the question is, as all of these things start generating relevant, interesting, meaningful data what are the networks that are going to support this? Mm-hmm. Um, the computing power of the, the, the remote devices are going to expand massively, but then if you, you will be expected to connect them at ever greater rates. So the, the, the rate of change that we've seen in end devices, I think, is going to hit the networks at some point, and what that network looks like is actually going to be an absolutely fascinating challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it speaks to a the need to have better data crunchers, probably, and people who can analyze data and and what's going on because of the multiplicity of of interactions that are happening. And it, and I and I like to say within my family, the um, the need for better coders. I don't know. There's a there's we're going to be forever more sophisticated in our coding. And, and in organizations, the, the need is to have people who are better and more comfortable at reading data and better and more comfortable at writing code. That's, so these are two areas of implications, I think, coming out of your thought of the Internet of Things. Anything else you like to add? Well, I think that those are true. Um, but what these organizations really require is better cooperation. Uh, they require teams that can be focused on areas um, and which are autonomous entities able to go and produce things that, if I was then to go and put it into a technical jargon, through some kind of API or API equivalent uh, can communicate with other entities. But what we need is, is the, and this idea of networks is not only on electronic elements, on data, digital elements, it's actually reflected in, in uh, organizational elements also. So what, what do you think is the best or the key to making that happen? Um, autonomous, independently minded, uh, risk-aware, but risk-eager teams able to go out single-mindedly and, and thrive for, for their objectives. Presumably with, with some uh, sanctioning or, uh, you know, a positive sanctioning, if you saw it, that exposed the French termination from the top. Yes, but with one very, very clear recognition. It costs far less to allow people to make mistakes and then rectify them than to try and control and avoid them. Or probably buy them. Yes. Possibly. Possibly. All right, listen, Giles, um, two more questions. Last one, uh, second last, is uh, you, you are someone who knows a lot about what's going on, and I just have this personal curiosity. I would love to know what are you, some of your favorite apps that you use uh, to share with us that would um, you know, turn us on to something new we don't know. Okay, so one of the ones uh, that has blown my mind is a really, really simple one, 
probably many people in London know it's Halo. Um, this, the, the thing is that this app reveals how when you go and change an experience to make it so good, you completely change the economics and the behavior of people in a market. Um, I, am, I, I am using Halo and black cabs for reasons that are probably completely unrelated to the reasons why the app was initially created. So, tell, so Halo, just for people listening, is, a, is an application that allows you to hail a black cab from this, your sitting room and it'll tell you how fast uh, and who uh, will be coming with... Um, and you can even pay through the, the application. So wh- what do you mean by uh, it changes, you, you, you use it for other reasons? What do you mean by that? Okay, two examples. I leave home forgetting my wallet. happens quite frequently. Now I can still get a cab, whereas I couldn't necessarily get the tube of Metro, etc., through Halo. But the other reason is... Because you can pay for it through Halo. Because, because Halo has my payment details, so it's all done. Um, for the same reason, or similar reason, it means that my teenage kids... I know wherever they are when they're going out, they can always get back. But I also know the name of the driver that picked them up. And I also know where he picked them up. And I know at what time. So there's also something that's great there. It's reassuring for a, for a father. Mm, that's lovely. Beautiful, Giles. Thanks for telling us that. And uh, so last question for you, Giles. Uh, all simple, just to let us know how people can track you down or follow you or connect and sign up for Libon. Okay, so clearly, I mean, everybody should definitely sign up for Libon. Go on to the App Store or Google Play, just type in Libon, L-I-B-O-N. And if you happen to be remotely interested in anything I have to say, then it's on Jicorb, G-I-C-O-R-B, my Twitter handle. Beautiful. Well, one last security announcement from St. Pancras signing out. Thanks for coming and joining the show, and enjoy your bank holiday. Thank you very much, and thanks, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes, and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset, or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business 
You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.